afternoon, Innsmouth. Those hivequakes last week opened up a new pathway into the sump, and we followed Kevin, like normal, right into the endless library. Thankfully, the Vox signal is strong. We are 665.66 UHMR Camrat Radio, you. broadcasting at least as long as we can dodge the archivist. Well, at least we are out of the blood rain. That is drenching the underhive. I got to tell you, not being drenched in hydraulic fluid, either from the Mechanicus machines or Frank down the street. Speaking of dripping in blood, the Innsmouth Fried Chaos Reign of Terror was brought to a screeching halt by Grisnick the Flayed. Cult leadership was found arranged back to back in a triangle with the Splatterhawks OG's signature style of an axe split down the middle of their skulls, mimicking that bloody mohawk. We can breathe easier, at least until the glass eaters get antsy, antsy again. Antsy. And ang- angsty? Antsy? Angsty? Is angsty a word? Yeah, antsy, antsy. because then they, they itchy because they got the bugs on their uh, Antsy. Yeah, that's that's what that means. I am your ghoulishly ghostly host with the most, Goblin King, joined as always by our map and compass expert, Pathfinder Marky. Yo. Running our heavy weapon support with an auto cannon in each arm is Beast. Good evening, everyone. He leads us into the depths of the sump to find the very best loop. Tell us, Kev, how are we tempting the Archivist's Wrath today? Well, uh, let me just say, if you get caught, your face might be the new cover of a book. (laughs) I did hear she is very particular about her books. You know, I also heard that she's willing to talk to us here at the podcast, but uh, I don't think asking her while we're caught trespassing is a good way to do it. Probably best to ask from outside the facility. Yeah. Fuck that. (laughs) All right, guys. So this is our third episode on Astra Militarum. As we go through, this is probably going to be one of our larger series just because there's a lot of stuff on it. I imagine Space Marines are probably going to be pretty large too. Necrons will be pretty large as well. And then when we do the Collegia Titanica and the Knight Households, we'll probably get a little bit into the depths of some lore too. It's fun. And what we want to happen with a lot of this stuff and the reason that we bring up a lot of it and we point out some dates and some different particular times in lore is to not only give you some jumping off points for creating the lore for your own armies, but also just sort of provide a background foundation for why this faction might work. And there's a lot of guard players. We've gotten a lot of feedback already from the people who play guard who are in our community, which is super awesome. And, uh, you know, between Kevin and myself, we've got a lot of wealth of the books read between Beast and Marky. Beast knows a lot of the lore. Marky asks a lot of good questions. That's about, and they've that's both a, killed a lot of guardsmen on the table. Yeah. They've both killed yeah. a lot of guardsmen I was going to say, that's probably more <laughs> than anything. A lot of my guardsmen, mm-hmm. to be precisely. We have both killed many guardsmen. That's that's just my job on the podcast, <laughs> just to ask questions. So why did Sanguinius die? Why? Don't answer that, Kevin. Why? Yet, why? What are these animals? <laughs> why does Sanguinius have wings? I know the answer. I think I know the answer. Don't answer that, Kevin. Why do you pronounce it weird? Sanguinius? Yeah. It's Sanguinius. Sanguinius, not Sanguinius. What did I say? Sanguinius. And I said Sanguinius? No, you said Sanguinius. Sanguinius? Sanguinius. You guys are both saying the same fucking thing. I don't know what's going on, <laughs> it's, man. Uh, it's, uh, it sounds like I'm saying pangolin. Tom <laughs> thinks that Mark is saying Sanguinius. Yeah. Is what Tom, that's what Tom is thinks it, you're saying. Why well, say Because he's say full Pringles. of <laughs> People say I say Pringles funny. Pringles. Pringles. It's not Pringles. It's Pringles. It's there's no A. God damn sour cream. There's an A in how I say it, God damn it. Sour cream and Pringles. Put my dick in the tube. 
So a lot happens in the lead up to M41 and the modern lore for the guard with a lot of big events that shape how they're currently set up and how they're used in the game. Probably and arguably the biggest event in that being the 13th Black Crusade. An interesting point of view from a state of the game. Gave us a new strategy. Yeah. <laughs> we'll get there. Was that the yeah. big one? 13th? That was the, the that's, 13th that's is the big, big one. The big 13th one. will probably get its own episode. Yeah. The, the 13th Black Crusade, the Black Crusades in entirety will get their own series. The 13th Black Crusade will probably get its own chunk of next episode in the, the Guard series. Yeah. Because a lot of shit happens. Yeah, because that, that would be like the one where. No spoilers. It, yeah, no spoilers, but it basically changed like. The way Cadia was. It changed everything. It it changed everything. It changed the whole galaxy in reality. Right. I think a lot of people understand that the fall of Cadia happened. Yeah, yeah, but but I don't think people understand. Now you ruined it. You ruined it. Yeah. Spoilers, Ryan. Spoilers. (laughs) I ruined it on purpose because from a state of the game side of things, which is not really a lot of stuff that we talk about because we we try to avoid the game and how the game has evolved. But the 13th Black Crusade was put into place in like fourth edition and it was put into place around the same time that GW had started to focus on the idea of crusades which obviously has led to narrative support and are are they called crusades now they are called crusades now they were campaigns but the eye of terror book which is a fourth edition book specifically talks about crusade play narrative play in the 13th black crusade so it's very interesting how long this event has been happening. It's been it's, set it's pretty up. cool. Yeah, it's pretty cool. I think there was a game on it too, right? Battlefleet yeah. Gothic Two. Yeah, that of course, revolves around the aftermath of the Thirteenth, like the immediate, oh, okay. aftermath, oh, immediate, okay, like gotcha. like the day after. <laughs> and it's a video game which follows right. another game, which is Battlefleet Gothic, the first video game, and that is based on the Battlefleet Gothic tabletop game itself, and right. the Gothic Wars, which are chronicled in the rule set for Battlefield Gothic, Battlefleet Gothic. Battlefleet Gothic. Thank you. Battlefield Gothic. Battlefield Gothic. COD. Hashtag EA. Don't fuck that one up, please. (laughs) That deals with the 12th Black Crusade, which allowed Abaddon to set up a lot of the things that happened in the 13th Black Crusade. Which, if you subtract two from the 12th Black Crusade, it equals 10, which is the amount of toes you have. Right. So, Tisneach hasn't won yet. Yes. I'm going to go get my tinfoil hat from the other room on that one, Marky. So there's there's basically a lot of G-dub history that kind of follows post 3.5 edition era, if you want to say, with Battlefleet Gothic and the Eye of Terror campaign book, even the specialty rules that came out for City Fight, which dealt with a lot of the urban, dense urban packed combat scenarios that they were getting into. That was one of the big ones that guard players specifically liked, because I think it had a lot of Imperial Guard specific stuff oh, yeah. and moving our men through all that terrain is a lot easier than trying to move a bunch of dreadnoughts and terminators there's a battle that we'll talk about today that is very reminiscent of city fight there's a couple but uh, yeah. uh, one one to me really stood out i thought it was kind of interesting this is also the time as far as like our real world is concerned where the black library exploded with content back 20 years ago there were a couple of comic books and white dwarf there was nothing else as the 12th black crusade wrapped up and as the 13th black crusade kind of became part of the lore and part of g-dub actually working lore into the game the black library exploded we'll talk about the tanith person only again we'll definitely talk about in the future probably in season two we'll get into some of the horus heresy do you stuff. know if uh, so much came out of the horus heresy books era. came out before 
Like they started coming out around this time, around this like okay, fourth third. to fifth edition oh, f- oh, okay. after third. Okay. Three and a half to four and a half. There's also a really weird thing that happens. We talk a lot about how we're in ninth edition now. And again, not really the focus of the podcast. So to just be super brief, there was a very definite first edition, which was called Rogue Trader. And then everything changed and we got rules that are a little bit closer to what makes sense for the way the game is played, which was called second edition. And then third edition really kind of led, if you went back and played third edition today, you would at least see the path that third took to get to eighth and how eighth kind of refined it a little bit into ninth. But realistically, between third edition and about seventh edition, codex supplements came out, but there wasn't necessarily a new codex every edition. They just released- every few years. They just released new rule yeah. books, which simplified the overall rules. So in a lot of times, you might be using- A, a third edition codex and fifth edition. Yeah. Right. And very famously, there's two Imperial Guard codexes that are both considered third edition codexes. There's the green camo cover, which is the third edition codex. And then there is the black soft cover, which is considered the 3.5 codex. Back in my day, I would have used the sixth edition codex and ninth edition. All you youngins right now complaining about not yeah. having a codex after a year. They're soft. I remember You're real soft. I used to pay 40K way before you. <laughs> That's not what I'm trying no, to say. No, no, I'm, I'm just trying just, to I'm, like illustrate how the game I'm just trying to make them feel because bad. The game's evolution <laughs> the game's evolution gave us a lot of really cool lore. Seventh edition rolled around and everything kind of streamlined into what we're used to now. There's an edition release, there's codexes releases that are applied to that edition. And then when they refine the rules, there's a new edition and new codexes. Those of you who have been playing since eighth, which is a lot of, of our community, you guys know psychic awakening is essentially like an eight point right, five exactly. edition in a lot of ways if you want to look That's at it. That's kind of how I viewed it. It came out. I was like, okay, so these psychic awakening books are revamping and then you get to use it for three months and then ninth edition comes out dude i was kind of mad i mean i still get to use it but i know the problem is is once my ninth edition codex comes out what the hell do i do with all that stuff because all all my custom regiments gets archived bro all the scion stuff is all in there it gets archived and then when 14th (laughs) edition comes out you can be like Back in ninth edition, I had I all have. these books. <laughs> like that's why you just do what I do. When did. we to readdressing lore in fourteenth edition, and I'm doing research, I'm going to be pouring through eighth and ninth edition. Yeah. That's why. That's, that's why, why you just do what I do. Because people like me buy mm-hmm. them. Cut, you cut out all the pictures and post them up. That's what I do with old codexes. That's actually a good idea. Mm-hmm. I buy old codexes for the lore and for the Dude, pictures. I, I want to have a coffee table book for every army. Dude, <laughs> the city fight book specifically has an entire section on how to make terrain, which is, it's fucking Dude, badass. Dude, the Rogue Trader, is so the Rogue cool. Trader hardback is like $300, man. I was trying to get one on eBay because I, I wanted to read lore and like look at the pictures. The first edition. Yeah, the fir- well, not first edition. It just has to be the fucking, just the, the Rogue Trader. The Rogue yeah. Trader yeah. And it's fucking like $300. I'm just like, Jesus Christ, man. Second edition is like, well, I think pretty cheap. Uh, it's a little harder to come by though. Yeah. Because nobody yeah. cares. Right, right. And at a certain point, I mean, looking over on my bookshelf right now, I've got six rule editions. Do I use them? No. Is there cool lore in there? 100%. Are there cool pictures in there? 100%. It's a cool artifact in history of the game. It's like a fucking yearbook, you know? Mm -hmm. Like you buy buy a yearbook because you're like, yeah, look at this freckled fuck. I I used to hate that guy. I didn't. You didn't buy yearbooks, Tom? 
I actually got rid of my yearbooks recently because I'm like, why am I lugging? Because yearbooks are ridiculously heavy. They are super heavy. You think the core rule book for Warhammer 40K is heavy? Go pick up your yearbook. <laughs> I'm like, what the well, fuck my yearbook did you is do? Thin. Uh, uh, they shoved so much shit into our yearbook. Every senior got their own page. Uh, oh, yeah. It, uh, well, if you paid for it, I didn't pay for it, so I didn't get my own page. Well, I guess. Uh, I was like, I am not paying $150 fucking dollars for my own. No one gives a shit about me. Right? I don't care either. <laughs> That's how I always felt. I was like, I'm not right. fuck about these people. Well, I mean, I don't care now. Right. It's the memories. Yeah. I also have my, you know, high school sweetheart on there. So that's it's di- yeah. a little bit different, different oh, from me. Loser. Well, Tom's a, a whore, so it's different. <laughs> Was. I'm reformed now. Reformed whore. <laughs> I'm a reformed whore now. So to roll us into the meat no, of you're our just episode. Unemployed. You're just going to keep cutting that Ryan off like that every time? <laughs> Ryan, Ryan, Ryan keeps, gets in it. Ryan keeps trying to start the episode. <laughs> Fuck that noise. So to start us off on an uplifting quote before we dive into some history of the Imperial Guard, Tom, what do you got for us? What does it matter? <clears throat> Sorry, I was sitting on one of my testicles. What does it matter that our world loses an entire generation in battle if by not losing it our world had no more generations at all? Imperial Commander Abrest Cuttle during the mass conscription. Of Durant three. We are going to focus today on M41, which is the time of ending before we move into the 13th Black Crusade and the era Indominus, probably next episode, right before we cover regiments and some of the auxilia, abhumans, and some other stuff that the guard deal with. The darkness continues to consume the Imperium. While the enemy without and the enemy within grow in strength and number, the Imperial ties are increased and the ranks of the Astra Militarum grow larger than they have been in a millennia. Many heroes are forged in the unending crucible of war. So the first chunk we are going to talk about is the Gothic War, also known as the 12th Black Crusade. This takes place between 139.m41 and 160.m41. So all the other crusades, would they be like almost Horus Heresy kind of thing? Like after the Horus Heresy, it was just like crusade after crusade after crusade kind of thing? A lot of them were, yeah, a lot of the crusades that we covered in the time leading up to M41 last episode, those all happened between the heresy and between the time of ending gotcha. time of ending represents the lore that's existed during all of the editions of play of warhammer 40k do we know if abaddon he he pretty much led every crusade right every black crusade so yeah there's been 13 black crusades all of the black crusades have been led by abaddon right um, right. um not, not so all of the crusades have been led by abaddon did all of those start coming out of the Eye of Terror passing Cadia and like Cadia defended it or were these like in different locations and shit? Right, so the Black Crusades will get their own episode and okay, some of uh, them are some of them are relatively simple. Some of them are like Abaddon yeah, came out too. alone and went right. questing to find some items and nobody really knew he was doing it. Right, right, right. Abaddon also during the Siege of Terra during the Siege of the Solar System before the Siege of Terra specifically went above the galactic elliptical and came down at Terra. Essentially teabagging them. Yeah. Yeah. As Perturabo's forces were bashing through the solar system, he was like, nah, fuck that, and came from above. 
the sons of Horus's, or the not the sons of Horus's, the Luna Wolves tactic was Abaddon would lead his strike forces to cut off the head of the snake. Pretty much first and fifth company, which were the Terminator companies of the Luna Wolves, which became the sons of Horus, continued to do that strategy. Horus ran stuff a little bit differently, but Abaddon is very much known for that, like, fuck fighting through the foot sloggers. I'm going to kill the commanders and decimate. Like, I don't care about your, your front so, line. So he I'm going to murder your command squad. In yeah, there. so he kind of maintained, like, Horus's battle tactics, essentially. That was Abaddon's battle tactics. Horus was not Horus necessarily like that. Yeah. Oh, really? That's actually yeah. why Abaddon and Horus didn't see eye to eye when it came to the Siege of Terra. Oh. Yeah. Believe it or not, Abaddon was Bla- not this is all Black Crusade stuff. Terra. Yeah. This is all Black Crusade stuff, all Chaos Marine stuff. Little teasers for you guys. We're getting there. We're getting there. As Marky brought up, the 13th, or the 12th, excuse me, the 12th Black Crusade was led by the War Master of Chaos, Abaddon the Despoiler. And in this case, he did launch a massive crusade against the Imperium. This was into the Gothic Sector, which is strategically important to the Imperium as it is adjacent to the Eye of Terror. So he came out of the Eye of Terror and went immediately into the Gothic Sector. And then when he's leading these Black Crusades, these are would be, like I guess, identified as Chaos Undivided Fleets at that point sometimes so in the case okay. of the 12th black crusade it was seen as big and kind of scary because he was leading the united ruinous powers under the banner of chaos undivided and gotcha. previously it hadn't been yet it hadn't always been or it had been small enough been that it hadn't been mattered and like okay i think the ninth black crusade he literally sent a demon at cadia just to fuck with it. he was like go fuck with Kadia. I'm going to go over here and steal somebody's lunch money. Go beat up Kadia so I can do that. Yeah. So the conflict consumes hundreds of planets and spawns hundreds, if not thousands of naval battles. While Abaddon was eventually forced to retreat, he manages to achieve several goals, including showing the Imperium that he could basically show up and fucking destroy an Imperial world if he wanted to. He also caused widespread devastation of the Imperial Navy it was also this event or this war that showed the importance of the alien artifacts known as the Blackstone Fortresses, which will probably get their own episode. Abaddon managed to capture a few of the Blackstone Fortresses, one of which he used to destroy a planet. And this is actually kind of a clue into what his actual intentions are, which will come up when we cover the 13th Black Crusade. He was only forced to retreat when an overwhelming force of Titan Legions, Imperial Guard forces, and Space Marines showed up to reinforce the sector. During the final Imperial victory during the Battle of Schindelgeist, the Elysian 234th executed a suicide mission onto the Hades-class heavy cruiser the Injustice and managed to scuttle the ship. For this, they are awarded posthumous commendations. This is also one of the big turning points towards the end of the 12th Black Crusade. Oh, that's a big space marine. You've been juiced up for 10,000 years by the dark gods. Sucks for you. I'm a human and I'm holding a grenade. Wasn't he always that kind of, wasn't he always kind of big though? No, just in general. Yeah. Just, just the concept that a bunch of humans just boarded their ship and basically mm. just blew it up. And can be like, fuck you guys. Hey, it was all it was all planned. Well, yeah, but losing that ship was probably not part of the plan. I don't give a shit. They're in the warp, dude. We'll talk about what was and what wasn't in Abaddon's master plan when it comes to But that was a guard win. How spanked do you guys win. get later? <laughs> I mean, but, but this is the guard is never part of the plan. You, you know, what, this you know is the guard episode. The you know so, what else isn't part of the plan? Losing the planet. We're going to talk. Actually, <laughs> actually, it was. Dem is fighting words. <laughs> Dem's is fighting words, but it was. <laughs> it was part of the plan. <laughs> hey, I mean, who, who, is it, is it really thought? winning if you, if you didn't, you know, keep if all you, your friends did. alive along the way? 
I when we talk about the Chaos Space That's Marine episode and we're talking about how they like fucked you guys here and fucked you guys there and fucked Ryan, you guys there. So we're just Ryan's gonna recall really this episode. Ryan's just yeah. really biased because he's a chaos player and he he has a, a big raging veiny hard on for Abaddon. What are you I think he's about? just salty oh, about only having one wound still. A bad Fuck that A with one wound. Fucking one yeah. wound. It's gonna turn into a debate between uh you know our guard player and our chaos player. But but Ryan is telling the story as 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 best he can right now. Yeah, through his bias. <laughs> chaos bias. <laughs> My my point was Warhammer lore is always going to be biased to the faction you're talking about. Oh yeah, absolutely. And I, and I, I like honestly, I'm wanting to redo my Catachans, so you know it, it it comes in waves. I just didn't want all those Cadians, and I had like fucking so many Cadians, and now Kevin has so many Cadians. <laughs> yes, I do. <laughs> it's not enough. I need more men. <laughs> in two sixteen dot m four one, the relief of Badavast. The city of Badavast on Segaristok is besieged by thousands of Corninit chaos cultists. If I pronounce any of these weird-ass Russian names wrong, yell at me later. You've already butchered every pronunciation this episode. <laughs> you fucked up the pronunciation of everything so far? Come on, bro. No, I meant all the words. Like, the, the specific <laughs> I, ones. I didn't say you everything. I just about. meant everything. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. Is, it, it, is Badenvost not right? Badenvost not right. That would be Baudenvost. And then Segrenstoch. I'm not you're putting not enough putting Russian into put, my pronunciation. Put I'm, not going, I mean, I'm not going in the right places. Tom and I have, have all these conversations where we're driving around this Russian-ass map in Chenaris oh on Daisy, And he's like, let's go to whatever Polonia. And I'm like, Vistonia, Polonia. <laughs> yeah, I'm yeah, like, we need to go to, we need to go to the Frappadoop. And I'm like, yeah, Captain Kobibda. Yeah. Come on, whatever, put put a peanut butter back in your mouth. Captain Kobibda. Got that peanut butter in your mouth. So in 216 M41 was the relief of Badenvost. The city of Badenvost on Segernosk, oh or whatever God. the hell I'm supposed to do with my phlegm, <laughs> is besieged by thousands of cornate chaos cultists. They are barely held at bay by Cadian shock troops who garrison buildings and use bulgrins as a literal flesh wall to hold, hold door, them at hold bay. Door. Relief comes in the <laughs> yeah, relief comes in the eleventh hour when the Vestroyan it's like a, it's like attack on motherfucker. <laughs> I like how it just slowly broke you. Hold door. <laughs> Relief comes in the 11th hour when the Vestroyan 45th Regiment deploys manicores and death strikes in mass against the enemy. The enemy and collateral death toll is staggering, but it always, the city though? is saved. Mm-hmm. So This is a recurring yeah, theme yes. with the guard. <laughs> we murdered everybody, but, but the city's fine. <laughs> it's okay. They can repopulate. Yeah. It's Human, like humans, if nothing, breed fantastically yeah, fast. Yeah, it's like uh, <laughs> it's like Eminem from Eight Mile. They're all like rabbits. They're fast. They like to fuck a lot. Mm-hmm. There's some departmentum departmento minatorum things in this episode that are going to oh, tickle I'm sure. Kevin. <laughs> I'm sure he already knows them, but they're still they going to tickle do. him. <laughs> in 414.m41 was the Crimson Ridge atrocity. Some of these names are just fucking. Some of them amazing. are great. In the first war of Armageddon, Angron, the Dreamin Primarch of the World Eaters Legion, leads a massive chaos host in attacking the planet. 
conquering the subcontinent of Armageddon Prime swiftly. The Space Wolves and the Armageddon Steel Legion stubbornly hold on to the territory of Armageddon Secundus. Angron is finally banished, but not before his forces slaughter millions of Imperial Guard. To make matters worse, the Inquisition moves in to purge knowledge and history of the First War of Armageddon. They forcibly sterilize entire regiments before confining them to Imperial labor camps and even call exterminatuses to silence entire planets in the vicinity. Commissars execute their own Imperial commanders and command detachments before willingly submitting to mind wipes by the Inquisition. The true death toll of the First War of Armageddon is impossible that to calculate. That also led That's to what was, it's called the Time of Shame, was that little mini war between the Space Wolves trying to get, they, they saved some of the guardsmen they were like no 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 no. you guys fought bravely we're gonna save you guys fuck the inquisition and the inquisition like, save yeah. like, 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 don't bitch. let them mind wipe them like got them off world uh okay and like evacuated them yeah so the inquisition basically chemically castrated everybody in these surviving regiments and then said you guys can't fight on the front lines anymore you need to go die in a people oh, and the space wolves were like no <laughs> Wait, so so why did they why did they nah, do that nah, to the dog. oh because they fought because chaos they not only saw chaos they also because saw they didn't knights want in the process oh this was this is the first time gray knights were deployed in mass mm -hmm. anywhere gotcha. and the inquisition is like mm, can't let anybody know gotcha about that. gotcha the primary reason is they didn't want the guardsmen having kids and then telling their kids what happened they were they tried to wipe they did their best to wipe the first war of armageddon from the yeah, history because they just didn't want anybody to know that chaos could summon a bunch of demons and attack a world because uh, that looks well, bad well, and if you talk to a lot of that but it's the chaos influence right right so, like, just if, knowing about chaos essentially and, and right. it was oh, angron right. breeds, breeds chaos and, and it was angron who no. was supposed to be dead angron shows up and proves that and your history alive, is right? wrong yeah angron is, is angron still, is still alive. Oh, yeah you can't kill demon primarchs they, they just banished. kind of go oh, away for it's a bit it's like a like a spirit kind of right or a demon mm -hmm. right you yeah. can't kill demons they, you just banish them back they basically the demon primarchs have all the perks yeah, of being a primarch and, and a greater demon gotcha, gotcha. the other thing to kind of note or the other thing that's kind of interesting is that if you talk to a lot of people about the wars of Armageddon, they'll talk to you a lot about orcs. They will not bring up this event because not a lot of players mm -hmm. know this because mind wipe. They did. They did. So, a good yeah. job. so where is this information <laughs> found? If not, or is it found in like the codexes of like digging? It's through digging codexes through codexes so and, and balancing so it's like knowledge. Sieged yeah. Fenris. So it's almost like, like redacted information. So it's oh, like, it would totally all be like yeah, labeled yeah. redacted. It's right. not it would printed be in side print. Dude, in just the, the idea of like. Like as as the game progresses, as the story progresses, and you have things like, oh, there was this secret war. Like it's like almost like a, I don't want to say like the emu war, but it's like oh, the right. secret war that happened that was like so old that you know not your players don't know about this or like it, right. it's just that cool. unless you yeah, were there yeah, when cool. you saw that printed in right. that codex, exactly. you probably don't even know it happened. It's pretty cool. Yeah, we specifically didn't print it in the eighth edition codex because the Imperium right. redacted mm -hmm. it. It's stuff like Little it's, stuff it's like cool that, stuff yeah. like that. Like the original purpose of the two missing Primarchs wasn't that there were two missing Primarchs that nobody talks about. They were there so players could make their own Primarchs yeah, and chapters. their own legions. Mm -hmm. And but as they've moved forward, they've been like, nah, yeah, those right. are just gone. Missing. So we can sell right. more books later. <laughs> They're like, so when we run out of plot armor, <laughs> and that, yeah, no, and we will, can kill off that character. And I will Gil buy another armor. Yeah, Gilman had an, another brother. Gilman had a twin. Yeah, Gilmagon. Gilligan. Gilligan. And he lived on an island. <laughs> he was stranded on an island. Oh, dude. <laughs> fucking hilarious.
He shows up, he makes uncomfortable eye contact with Gilliman, and he goes, I am Alfarious. <laughs> I've been stranded on an archipelago. <laughs> Mark knows a word. Did you learn that one from your from your audiobook? I learned, I learned it from you guys. No, he, oh, we, yeah. Yeah, we it's taught, a, we taught him. We taught him that, what an archipelago was. Submerges into water, comes back out, and submerges back into water multiple Essentially, times. Essentially. One uh, of those long, snaky ones that goes bloop, bloop, bloop. You forget what we talked about in the production meeting on Monday, and you remember the turd joke i made about six months ago 18 episodes ago you know what yeah that's what fits in his brain i'm sorry dude that's just the way my my shitty brain works there you go too many concussions apparently (laughs) yeah it only knows shit (laughs) all right it's only shit on the brain in 742.m41 is the damocles crusade the tau expand into imperium territory with imperial worlds defecting to the empire this triggers the crusade notably the brimlock dragoons and the Druk- yeah, Drukian, Drukian probably Fengard. Drukian Fengard. <laughs> Dorkian. See fighting in the three years of the crusade. The Drukian Fengard are known for their massive ceremonial swords that their sergeants wield. That's what they're known for. Big Sounds ass dope. swords. Mm-hmm. This crusade, however, ends abruptly in an imperial retreat as the Tyranids show up, meaning that all of the planets that they paid for in years of bloody fighting are just back for the Tau and the Tau retake them. Now the Nids are the Tau's problem, essentially. Yeah. <laughs> yep. So in the Damocles Crusade, on a Tau side, which we'll get to in the Tau episode, that's when they developed the Storm Surge and the Riptide, right, Tom? That was how, because they were basically left to deal with the Nids, and they're like, oh, fuck you, we'll just make bigger ones. Uh, yes and no. I mean, uh, they developed special classes of Riptides during that time, but the Riptide was released yeah, before that. that. It was released in the Second Sphere, I think. Oh, is it like the Arvarna and the Arvara? Yeah. Yeah, is that, is yeah. that why? Yeah, yeah the Arvarna and the Arvarna. The Arvarna. The Flamer one? No, the no, no, no. That's the, the, the Yavara. The Arvarna. Uh, is the uh, heavy duty it's meant for tyranids oh really okay. yeah it's literally it was literally it's, it's got a cyclonic tyranids. like defensive it has extra armor and extra yeah. blasty short it's yeah. a, guns mm, okay it's a cool ass it model yeah, it's, it's essentially like uh <laughs> i'm getting like, ready to uh, build mine death watch built the hellfire shells specifically to deal with biomass or like tyranids <laughs> yeah so yeah. When you see Hellfire stuff, that was yeah. specifically designed to deal with Tyranids. So same same idea, right? Mm-hmm. You know, Tom builds a, a, a robot and I, I built a bullet shell. <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk about it more when we get to the Death Watch yeah. and when we get to the Tau. But yeah, just when we talk about the Imperium leaving and the Tau retaking and the, the Tyranids being there, the Tau didn't just die. The Tau overcame that challenge. Lost a of. terrific number of men in the process, though. <laughs> 745.m41 is the time of unsung heroes. Hive fleet Bahamoth smashes into the realm of Ultramar, and while the exploits and heroism of the Ultramarines are very well documented, the 47 regiments of the Ultramar Auxilia, which is the planetary defense force, aren't. They stand side by side with their masters. Tyranid horrors are cut down by disciplined torrents of lasgun fire, the guard fighting desperately, which is enough to buy more time for the ultramarines to respond in force. The death toll to the PDF and Imperial Guard is astronomical, and their sacrifices are often overshadowed by the ultramarine victories. Are these the, this is this the Tyrannic War? This is, yes, this, that is the beginning of the Tyrannic War. Oh, beginning, okay. This is the Imperial gotcha. Guard side okay. of that, because the space marine side of it is look how good yeah, right. we are. Look how, look how badass we are. And the Imperial Guard is look how many men we have. Yeah. 
You, uh, you thought the bugs had an unending numbers? Yeah. It's it's Apes almost like, look how long strong. we held them off so you could save the day kind of thing. Yeah. Which is exactly what it is. The Imperial Guard choked the Tyranids with so many bodies that the Oh, that's so gnarly. Like, you just give them so much bodies. Well, it's not choked physically, but, like, just the time it takes the Tyranids to right. fight. Because yeah, the Tyranids are used to outnumbering everybody by right. such a large margin. But when you're also... But when, when the Tyranids are then basically equaled in number, yeah, yeah. it's a very slow grinding... Right. They'll get through it all eventually because Tyranids could just recover and eventually exactly, where just start again tomorrow and the humans will eventually run out of ammo and right. men, like men aren't just born overnight. Like Tyranids. Yeah, so well, that's, like that's the thing yeah. about fighting Tyranids is in the middle of the night, if you leave the corpses on the ground, they'll take those back to their... Well, not only that, but like Tyranids don't need sleep. Like people, No, actually, you know? um, totally digressing off Imperial Guard, they don't eat. They don't eat? They don't eat. They, they bring don't violent... sleep. I they thought, don't poop. I thought They're rippers born. eat and then jump in a uh, fucking acid pool that's different they consume biomass or they pull biomass but back not to digestive to, pools not for their not own for metabolic consumption like, yeah not for nourishment it's it's purely it's their bodies are born with a fixed amount of calories in them mm -hmm. they are sent out to the front lines and either they die kind, or they retrieve of. biomass and come back and then throw jump into the acid pit yeah <laughs> kind of they have redundant systems just in case they're severed from synapse creatures and in which case they can, can oh they can, they can okay. jump Start but it's like primarily those organs yeah. are non-active and their metabolism is purely they're not yeah. they don't need them because they were never they designed for long-term yeah. use right, right they don't even stay alive between planets <laughs> but if the tyranid forces are severed from the they hive mind not animalistic not, and consumed. it's really weird to say this but if tyranids are severed from the hive mind they do go into like a beast mode where they well i mean tyranids are just, just made to adapt right so it, it, right. it yeah. kind of goes yeah. it's like the idea of a frog changing sex because oh, there isn't okay. enough female Life frogs to reproduce the population interesting I didn't know well, it was that well, detailed, we'll but talk. continuing on with Ultramar. Yeah, Tyranids are their, their whole, yeah, whole other beast. So yeah, so from 755.m41 to 791.m41 is the Sabat World Crusade. This is the largest military undertaking since the Makarian Ma Conquest. Makarian Conquest. Under the leadership of Warmaster Slido. Slido? Uh, let's see. Where, where, would, I have how, to remember where. It's, it's Slido or something it's, like that. Slado? Yeah. That makes more sense. Under the leadership of Warmaster Slaydu, who is succeeded by the relatively young Makarov, yeah. this is located in the Segmentum Pacificus. It contains nearly 100 Imperial star systems subdivided into subsectors, notably the Newfound Trailing, the Karn Group, the Cabal Systems, and the Aranyes Group, Aranyes Group. That I'm Aaron never really Aaron sure is. how they want Aaron you to is. throw Y's in the middle of words. It just never makes sense. To me. <laughs> it's just literally just flavor. A, we took the word Aaron and the word Aaron yes, yes and we smashed them together. <laughs> this is named after Saint Sabat, a young girl who received visions of the Emperor of Mankind, and those visions were used to bring the sector into compliance during the Imperial Crusade of M35. I'm pretty sure that crusade was just called the Imperial Crusade. The Archon, a brutal chaos warlord, rose to power and rallied the tribes and cultists of the ruinous power under his banner. By 741.m41, the Archon had brought the Imperium forces in the region low and had conquered a significant amount of territory in the sector. In 755.m41, using his political acumen and celebrity, Slaydu petitioned the High Lords to be named Warmaster and led the Sabat Crusades. We'll cover this in more depth, but Kev, you got couple tidbits these for same worlds on. i don't believe it was actually at the same time it's the the after sabbat goes down uh makarov 
Where Master Makaroth is all this all ties. Yeah, into yeah. The okay, God's right. I, stuff, sometimes basically. I confuse Macarius and Makaroth for some reason. I just like blend the two together. Um, but yeah, so Sabbath Worlds was that's these are the worlds that Gaunt's Ghosts take place in. So if you've read any of those books, these that is where. And then also, Mentum Pacificus is the west side of the galaxy. Yeah, and it borders this entire area borders basically the, the center Terra, of the map, like the, the, which the is galactic Terra. core. So it's yeah, it's very important that this doesn't fall the way that it right. almost. And fell. this was also where we learned about the Blood Pact which is kind of the counter to the yep. Imperial Guard. It is the chaos. It's not just like the rogue. It's the most well-defined heretic. It's, it's the guard. one with a leader. In lore. It's the one with a command structure. It's the one with the logistics interface. You know, the it's it's an pact? act. Yeah, so it's almost like pact. Brood Brothers, but for chaos? Yeah. Okay. In a way. But but blood pla blood pack so would be like the regiment, right? Yeah, it's essentially like there's you know there's guard regiments that defect, and like we discussed in the last episode, they defect. Mm. There's no navy to take them anywhere, and then they right. basically just get blasted into oblivion. This is what happens when you have an entire uh, armor. You have navy, a structure, yeah, yeah. an entire yeah. section, right? Like, like it's somebody that was on a crusade or doing something, right? It's like basically defect. a crusade of. Chaos Guardsmen. That's crazy. With a leader and everything. Yeah, they actually they have a War Master. It's the Archon, as we mentioned. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, oh, so all, this is the same guy. Yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah, so that's yeah. that's who Gaunt's Ghost is fighting against, Am among a bunch of these other regiments that we'll Dude, talk about. Dude, it's so crazy, like, the idea of, of Guardsmen fighting Guardsmen when there's so much more, like... Right. To the <laughs> so I kind of I kind of wanted to touch on that. Heretic guard are not as uncommon as you would be led to believe. And the reason I say that is because in Eye of Terror campaign book, as well as the City Fight book, there are rules for mm -hmm. making traitor guard. There are rules for making mutant guard. There are rules for doing, they're called, they used to be called the right. Lost and the Damned. There's an entire set of rules. And there was at one point a Lost and a Damned splat. I don't know if there was I think an it actual was, codex. Yeah, it was like a, a white splat. supplement or something for them. But and people have been like clamoring to get it back. Yeah. So, and the idea, because again, the idea is that if half the Space Marine legions fell, there's no reason why half the guard or half the Mechanicus wouldn't. I mean, half the guard and half the yeah, Mechanicus they all did too. all of them um, did. And there's no reason those are gone. So there's there's a the Blood Pact is one of the only good examples we have in it's the still lore with of it existing. Name. But there are other yeah. examples. Like. Yeah. If, We'll, we'll, like we'll if touch there's on another Black Crusade and um, they go and invade, say, Ultramar, the Blood Pact would probably end up yeah. in that story. Hmm. Or so, there would be another one that they would name because yeah. they would or have they to would give name, something for the Auxilia yeah. to fight against. Gotcha. Basically, it's when you can't use Marines anymore, you have to come up with something right, else. Right, yeah. You, don't, you, you, you have legions of Marines, though. That's, I guess, mm -hmm. the difference. Well, there's only a million like in in the Imperium, there's only a million Marines. That's not something that that's talked about a lot. But there's only one, which sounds like a lot Marines. until you there go to a more. galactic as big as the galaxy. Right, right. <laughs> there are hive worlds that have there are hive there are hives, not even hive worlds. There are hives that have. There's cities in America in that have <laughs> more people. Yeah, I think there's I think there's four more, more four people in them. Million space Marines. four million in San Diego. I remember there being like 3.8 something yeah. a while back, but like that's yeah. dumb. So a million ridiculous. A million space marines is not a lot. It really isn't. It it might be. I don't know why, but I'm all of a sudden thinking it might. We're off topic. We'll talk about yeah, the yeah. yeah we'll get there. 
There's at least one or two other heretic guard units that are named in lore, and we'll talk about them when we mm-hmm. get to regiments. We'll talk real regiments, and then we'll talk heretic guard. So in 762.m41 is the Cato campaign. This is fought between the Catechin... 114th? Yeah, 114th. 114th, okay. Yeah, because that would make M... Yeah, M is 100. Yeah, and then IV is 4, and then 10 it would make that yep. 14th yeah this is fought between the catajan 114th unseen lurkers and the orcs of the death skulls on the shadow world of cato so the catachans are led by colonel steel eye black cato is a world shrouded in poor visibility and features extremely difficult to deal with terrain the conflict tests the catachan to their limits in a string of bloody guerrilla skirmishes the imperium pulls ahead when the sentinel squadron locates and destroys the orc Orc Stampa Factory. The Greenskins respond in a massive all-out assault, but it is quickly cut to ribbons thanks to Colonel Black's use of the famed Catachan ambush tactics. Hmm. They're basically unable to pull ahead of the Orcs because of all of these small battles. They're able to bait the Orcs into one big battle, and the Catachans just fucking... Well, because while they're all running in a straight line, you just shoot them in the butt, and Orcs don't really figure that out Who's running? Who's running? They're like, I don't, I don't, I can't see no homies. All, all the catachans right. are painted <laughs> purple. <laughs> so purple. in 793.m41 <laughs> is, is Operation Solomance. Five full regiments of catachan jungle fighters under the leadership of Inquisitor Helvana Valeria disappear during an undisclosed operation on the Necron tomb world of Solomance. Inquisitor Helana Valeria is the only one ever seen or heard I from. I think that's again. just a fancy way to spell Helena, to be honest with you. Yeah, I think so I think too. That's, that's just supposed to be. I Helena. like mine better. I was, like, so. I was thinking Helena. I, I, like, I liked I like yours better. better too, and I but I, I like mine better. I was like, I think they're just trying too hard with that one. <laughs> they, that, that happens a lot. I just throw just extra letters into it. It'll be fine. With a V, yeah, right. 795.m41, the Crando Rebellion. The Cadian 23rd Punishers crushes a heretical uprising on Candor 3. Lots of mutants and chaos horrors are mixed with these cultists. Wyvern suppression tanks are used in a brutal urban assault as the fighting is confined to packed city streets and urban environments. Casualties are high on both sides of the conflict. So this specific event is the, I'm pretty sure, the cover art and a lot of the interior art of the original City Fight book. I'm pretty sure the original City Fight book is supposed to be the Condor So now these are essentially um, what we're going through right now, like you said, is history, but these are like key key moments that the Guard have been a part of. To the Imperial Guard, yeah. There's other stuff going on. There's there's tons going on, right? These are just specific regiments and things that they've touched on, like key points in history for Guard. Right. And it gives, we're giving context and connections to the rest of history. And if you guys were around when we did a short history of nearly everything, which we probably should have, it should have been like a five parter, not developed, but spent a little bit more time on. Yeah. Um, a lot of this stuff connects with that history. But as we move forward with the factions, we're going to retouch on history and kind of build in connections the way that we've done with Eldari and the way mm-hmm. that we're, we're doing with Guard. Because it's hard to remember all this at once. It's kind of good to kind of be like, oh, yeah. All this stuff was happening, yeah. but also these other things that we talked about were right. also happening just to like like you. tyrannic war type shit yeah. or like where that falls. And if you want a Cadian regiment to play with and you want your Cadian regiment to be super good at city fighting, like that's their entire fucking thing. And they've got 
a history with it, grab the Cadian 23rd, the Punishers. Like, it's there. It's mm-hmm. in lore. You can grab it as a starting place and you can develop. And maybe maybe they're not the Cadian 23rd Regiment. Uh, the, uh, maybe they're not the Cadian 23rd Punishers. Maybe they're the Cadian 238th. Punish me. Because you've, it, it's, it's, a, yeah, it's another, <laughs> you know, another variation. But of use that, that as the starting point. Right, right. Yeah. 801.m form 1 is the storm surge. This is a momentary flickering of the Astronomicon that sees thousands of Imperial Guard troop ships flung off course. Many are translated into real space hundreds of light years away from their destination or decades out of sync. Countless others never reappear at all. Reappear at all. So if you wanted to screw with regiments out of time, here's a, here's a place to start. If you wanted to deal with regiments they, out of place, or if you wanted to make one that's just been missing for years and all of a sudden shows up in forty two, here you go. Elaborate on the whole flicker of of that. So the flickering of the Astronomicon will come up in every Imperial force mm-hmm. that we chronicle. We we actually even talked about it in the Eldari episode. We talked about the we didn't talk about it as a flickering mm-hmm. in the Astronomicon, but we talked about the event that corresponded with it this is like really close to the cicatrix maledictum becoming a thing this is all lead up to the 13th black crusade we are in the 801st year of the 41st so we're only 200 years we are really we are really close that's crazy i didn't realize that what's what's coming up here was so so close to the current lore i thought that was old no well this is all old as in it was right i thought it was farther back in the timeline (laughs) that's the new lore no, we That's are that really, new, really baby. close. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The new new. that new new. New new snooze new. <laughs> and 813.m41 is the Siege of Vrax, an imperial military campaign which lasted 17 years to retake the armory world of Vrax Prime from the heretical chaos forces led by apostate cardinal Astra Zafa. Zafan. Zafan. Astra Zafan. Yeah, this was like the most ridiculous battle in imperial history <laughs> to to quote major yeah. kill who, so who the, released a video on it a while ago he called it the most cluster fucked imperial battle ever oh really and oh, there's yeah. a reason literally there's like a reason. you want to talk about like frat party gone out of control where everybody on their mother showed up this is that party oh shit like like yes. way more people showed so up primarily than have. by any <laughs> yeah. right even in warhammer oh, this yeah. is too much <laughs> So primarily, the Death Corps of Krieg, 88th Siege Army, is tasked with bringing the renegade cardinal down and retaking the world. When an attempted assassination of the apostate fails by the officio assassinorum, the administratum adepts determine the war of attrition will last 12 years. However, command was given to Lord General Zuckel, the son of a well-connected imperial family with ties to the navy and the guards' upper echelon. While he could follow and recite the Tactica Imperialis and his social standing was secure, his practical military experience was nothing. This led to a 17-year-long war of grinding attrition. While Imperial forces were victorious over these 17 years, 14 million guard and over 34 regiments were completely lost, and the entire original population of Vrax, another 8 million, fell to chaos and was subsequently exterminated. 17 years, that's not bad. You're also forgetting that that was a war for nonstop. Like they didn't stop and be like, "Oh, well, we need to yeah, wait for supplies." So you know, it, it, no, this was daily 
constant fighting. <laughs> Not to mention, they were sent there to save the population of From Rax. a wayward cardinal. All of them died or became I'm pretty Not, not all. Honestly, no, 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 no. If you actually pay attention all to All of it, them. I'm, I'm not, pretty sure that- I'm not done. <laughs> oh, minus the, the few that were soldiers on the front lines, I'm pretty sure by the end of it, they were all turned into demons. Oh Every single last soul in that city had either been Every sacrificed single... or possessed. Yeah. Oh, fuck. Yeah. And the planet was exterminatist, but it wasn't exterminatist from orbit. It was exterminatist by the, Krieg. Death Krieg, uh, by the death corps of Krieg, killing every oh, single thing. Just out of thing. spite, leveled the city the, with artillery. Po so post the world victory. is declared post dead. Post victory, leveled yeah. the city yeah, just because. Yeah. It's just like it's teabagging, but with <laughs> artillery. Yeah, but with earth shakers. Yeah, <laughs> earth shaker teabag. Full send, baby. Let's go. Full send. <laughs> Extra lead. <laughs> But <laughs> so the world is declared dead and in Perdida by the Imperium and placed under quarantine by Ordo Malleus Inquisitor Lord Hector Rex to keep it cordoned off from the rest of Imperial space. So this is another case where the Imperial Guard is like, just don't nothing look happened. here, nothing happened. And it wasn't even so much they were trying to hide it. It's just that it was so fucked after yeah. this battle that there was no point. There's no point. To there's like just no point. And there's a lot of things that the Inquisition doesn't understand, like that humanity doesn't understand about chaos. They're like, well, this area of space had a fucky thing happen. Maybe fucky just fucky yeah. happens here. So in 853.m41, Condor is overrun. The rebellion on Condor 3 rises again, this time led by traitor space marines. The planet is considered lost and virus bombed in an exterminatus action. 42 regiments of the Cardornian Guard remain in service, deployed around various battlefields of the Imperium. These regiments are known for being hell-bent on vengeance against any so chaos. Similar, similar to Cadia. There you right. go. You want to do a... There's, there's quite a yeah. few Imperial Guard regiments that are just like, fuck no, chaos. Fuck these guys. Uh, yeah. <laughs> just like there's a yeah. bunch of Imperial Guard regiments that are like, fuck orcs. Yeah, right. <laughs> And if you wanted an Imperial Guard force, again, from a lore building perspective and the reason that we go through this stuff, if you wanted a, a Guard force that was specifically anti-Slanishi or anti-Corn or whatever, go with one of these that like had their planet lost yeah. to cultists. Or make up a planet and it was taken by cultists. Yeah. Yeah. So in 863 to 883.m41 is the Saint Celia Aftermath. Nearly a full Titan Legion turns Ugh. traitor. Their guns focused on massacring the population of oh, St. Celia's fuck. world. <laughs> the celebrated Knight Commander Pask rallies elements of the Cadian 423rd oh, who make a tactical withdrawal to the safety of the Yggdrasil. Ig Ig oh, I can Ig say it in Yggdrasil. Withdrawal to the safety of the Yggdrasil spaceport. During this retreat, Pask's Knights and the Cadians are able to bring down and confirm four oh, so Titan gnarly. kills. This includes the Reaver class Titan. And it says Angel. Pask's Knights. Yeah. That doesn't mean Imperial Knights. Knight Commander Pask is his title. He leads a tank company. Right, right. Those are all tanks. Yep. <laughs> Taking out Reaver Pask's class Titans. Knights. Yeah, he's yeah. beating up Titans with Lehman Russes. That's gnarly. I mean, able. Able to rally and surround the traitor titans on the planet's steps, Pask and the Cadian 423rd spearhead the largest 
armored offensive since the Battle of Toleron. 8,000 tank companies, 35 super heavy detachments, and the full support of three Imperial Knight households bring the Chaos There's Titans what, down. like 30 tanks in a... In a modern tank company or a, whatever? Well, in in a regular tank company, right? In a Warhammer in a tank Warhammer company, tank, right? There's yeah. like about 30 to 40 tanks. In a two, like in like a like a two thousand point list, you get like nine. Okay, which is not a right, which is right, not yeah. a full company. That's like a squadron essentially. Uh, yeah, yeah, okay. Which they would, but they would also be broken up into group, you know, smaller groupings of yeah, right, right, like a fire team essentially, yeah. but for a tank, like for fi- for that, it's the three Lehman Russes operate together, right, and then groupings of three, and then you could take three groupings of three. That's how you get nine, mm. and then you have tank commanders. So imagine maxing out an apocalypse size force. Honestly, on, that on sounds like twenty just bane blades. Just bane blades and Lehman Russes. Oh right. Oh yeah, of just bane blades. No, this is just a super heavy detachment oh, side right. of just bane blades, <laughs> and then you have thirty-five of them. Not only that, you have three entire Imperial Knight households, and like. Sure, that's a little nebulous because an Imperial Knight household might only have five knights, but still, five knights is fucking <laughs> punishing. Right. Five knights well, on now, top of all those. Tanks. Now that you kind of mentioned like the the sheer amount of Russes and super heavy and knight support for Titans, eh, I mean, well, so Pask's knights, and this would be one of those things that if you guys want us to go into more depth about this particular battle in an episode, I, we'd fucking love to. But Pask's knights at that point were pretty beaten up. I think he only had like two red, uh, like two companies and like a super heavy. I think he always ends up having a super heavy in reserve. Yeah. They needed to get to the spaceport and hold the spaceport long enough for reinforcements to land in order to bring this just super massive. And the the Cadian 423rd has tanks, but they're not known for being. And I mean, just the sheer idea of a, a. of tanks, oh, a reaver class titan. Well, no, not only that, but like a reaver class titan turning on you, like the morale, yeah, like the one. morale, like oh, yeah. oh, I mean, because uh, what was the the steel legion battle that that we talked about a lot, Kevin? Uh, oh, the battle of hell's reach. Yeah, the battle of hell's reach, where it's like you have that, you know, it was an emperor class, yeah, yeah. Uh, the emperor and he, and, d- engine kill yeah, and, and like gear. seeing that seeing that on your side you're just like fuck yeah yeah and then but, but like imagine the other side it, yeah it's like the other <laughs> side it's like oh fuck like i think there's a meme about it where it's like oh the emperor uh emperor class titan on the horizon emperor class and titan then it's like on the as horizon, it, as it guards it's like smiling yeah. and it gets and then it's like, like it has but it spikes, has spikes. <laughs> You're like, fuck. <laughs> oh, yeah. Fuck yeah. Go, oh, no. Fuck no. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> Guys, why, why did Nate Notre Dame crawl out of the ground, and why is it covered in guns? <laughs> Quasimodo, no. <laughs> so, in, <laughs> so in 925.m41 is the law of Grax. Billions of orcs invade the Raza system. Regiments are raised. I always Riza. thought it was Riza. It's, it's, Riza. it's Riza. Riza. It's Riza, like which Riza is Rust. also the, the Forge World. Yeah, it's Riza. I was just saying Riza. Yes. Yeah. Re- regi- yeah, because <laughs> Wu-Tang forever. Regiments are raised from every planet within 10 light years of the Forge World of Riza, including Barak, Ulanai, and Katachan. The expanding war zone centers on Reza becomes a meat grinder of bloody continued yeah, conflict. Say the Barack Obama. So yes, we can. <laughs> For the emperor. <laughs> <laughs> 
for the emperor. I got myself with that. Pretty good. Rock regiment. The abominators. The Rock regiment. The abominators. That's the Catachan regiment. The 115th abominators. Oh, God. 926.m41. The Dula. Dulma Lin cleansing. The Dulma, the Dulma yeah, uh, Lin. Yeah, Dulma Lin. Colonel Starkin leads a single Strachan. regiment of Katachan yeah, Second. Strachan. The, Strachan. Colonel Strachan leads a single regiment of the Katachan Second, the only survivors of Planetfall, and a year-long guerrilla war against the Orc invaders in the subterranean depths of the Put planet's some respect caverns. on that name. Katachan scouts eventually discover. I want to say Mothman. The Mothman as vault. In like, like a mammoth. Mammothian? Like a mammoth, yeah. Discover the Mammothian vault, which contains the Greenskin's massive underground city. Strachan leads a team of Katachan demolitionists into the Orc City, where in a skirmish, he is gravely injured by a stampeding squiggle. Ah, he's fine. They manage to drag Strachan's broken body to safety as the charges go off and take down the entire cavern. He's fine. On top he did of it on Greenskins. purpose. He's fine. He's fine. However, he did. He actually baited the war boss into the path of the Squigoth and it killed the war boss. It also, but got it him. also uh, fucked him up bad. However, Imperial reinforcements under the command of High Praetor Oshpreen arrive two days after this victory and take all the credit. <laughs> Sounds about right. Praetor Oshpreen is awarded governorship of the planet. He then redeploys the Katachan second to the Olenites. <laughs> what a dick. Uh, Oh, this this comes back. So what's what's funny is about just we'll touch on it again later when we talk about Catachan as a whole. But the whole like baiting the war boss to come get wrecked by the squig and like getting taken out. That's totally a Catachan thing. That's a very Catachan thing, thing to do <laughs> in their culture. It is expected. I'm here. I'm well, here. Come kill me. That somebody from your unit survives to tell everybody else how gloriously you died. Is remember yep. my story. God yeah, damn it, I'm here. A, uh, I'm here. What are you doing? That I had read. And that was like, when it, at, like when shit was starting to get ass. really bad, one of the characters was, was like, oh shit, how do I get out of here to make sure that everybody remembers how all these men died? Like that was one of the, like, one of the things that they think about. Because if they all die and nobody knows, then what was the point? Yeah, it's like leaving no man yeah, behind. And if they're okay with leaving the body as long as the story lives on. So in 927.m41 is the sentencing of Hammerot 4. The Hammerot 4 regiment is wiped out to a man attempting to protect the civilians of the planet Phalax from a Sly demonic invasion. Marbo. No. <laughs> oh, no. The the Departmento Minotaurum redeploys the now completely massacred regiment to the liberation of Abraxas Citadel on Parisium. However, they oh, fail to show up they're all fucking because dead. they're all fucking dead. <laughs> However, this does not stop the Departmentum, the Departmento Minotaurum from charging them oh. with desertion and sentencing oh them God. all to death. All, all zero of them. <laughs> this is just one of those things where, like, you got to be fucking kidding me. Really? Well, this happened? Well, this you this happened. About, like, the military. Like, if you know anything about the military and how it works, if it don't make sense, oh, yeah. that's exactly, that's how, it exactly how it works. That's right exactly now. how it was designed to work. Exactly. <laughs> so 928.m41 is Oshpreen's award. The High Praetor's extremely lax and corrupt reign over Dumalin allows the heretical Slaneshi cult of the frantic flensing to rise on the planet. 
The Katachan second is the only regiment close enough to Let's offer go. assistance. But thanks, but thanks to a mysterious series of communication failures that vex the Katachan, the Praetor and his corrupt planetary government are all left to their horrible fate there at the go. hands of the cult. This is also what happens. You oh, fuck over fuck the Katachan. They they fuck fuck Kat- Katachans <laughs> are the ones who invented orc snipers. Yeah. <laughs> Orc sniper. I just, I just 100%, I just 100% imagine that conversation in like every movie where somebody's on their phone and they're like, what? I can't, I'm going into I, a I tunnel. Can't, I, I can't, I can't hear you. <laughs> what? I, you're, you're breaking up. <laughs> I, I, I almost viewed it as like the, the, the captain or whatever, the, the, Catachan general sitting up there on the bridge with the, with the captain of their ship and the, they get a, a transmission coming in and they're like, I didn't get anything. Did you you hear anything? (laughs) Delete. (laughs) (laughs) It's that that conversation with uh, with Harrison Ford in the first movie where like he's oh yeah we're all fine. No no small we're all fine. fine. And then he shoots. We got about ten minutes. (laughs) (laughs) So in nine four one dot m four one is the second war of Armageddon. Orc warlord Gazgul Mag Uruk Thraka, that's the only time I'm pronouncing the whole damn thing, the prophet of Gork and Mork leads a massive wah in invading the industrial hive world of Armageddon. Commissar Yarik is on Armageddon to assist in the founding of the 4th Armageddon Steel Legion Regiment. He realizes the threat Gazgul poses and warns the planetary governor, Herman von Straub. Von Straub ignores Yarik and banishes him to the Hades Hive, far from the planetary's, planetary governor's seat of power. The orcs smash through Von Straub's forces, likely like they are so many children's play blocks and ravages across the planet, only halting when they meet Yarick's well-ordered and organized defenses of the Hades Hive. Though Hades Hive eventually falls to the orc, Yarick is able to stall the orcs long enough for reinforcements to arrive. Yarick is grievously wounded by Gazgul himself in the final assault on Hades. Three chapters of Space Marines under the command of the Blood Angels arrive to drive the Greenskins from Armageddon. Still alive, although barely, Yarick is rescued in the remains of the Hades Hive and is lauded as the savior so of Armageddon. So is he, when he's banished to the, the Hades Hive, is he banished like with guard or is he like taking civilians and defending the, the Hades Hive? Do we, do we know? He's... He's basically we. They say banish, but it's, I think it's a little bit more like he warns Von Straub, and Von Straub is like, "Get out of here!" Yeah, like you're just a lowly commissar. And he, and go he leave. Go like, defend fine, this whatever, fucking fuck shithole back there. Now, now is this when? Yeah, yeah. Take your new regiment and this go dive. defend this. Go yeah, defend this, this sewage treatment plant. Dive. So, <laughs> is when he's gravely wounded. Is this the one where no, he gets his claw, or this is way after? No, this one's somebody else. I think this is where he loses. This is where Yarick loses his eye. I don't think Yarick gets the claw until the. Third oh really? Part. Yeah. And this is the I first. Think. The the this first is one? the second. Second one. This is the second one. I, yes, Marky, it is the first one because the first one. Yeah. Ah, happen. that's the one that didn't happen, guys. Yeah. God. As the Inquisitors have gotcha, told us, gotcha. it never I didn't know Yarick was on that one though. <laughs> yeah, Yarick. Believe it or not, Yarick's. Like Yarick was not in old. the first one. <laughs> that that was on Armageddon, right? Yeah. And this is also on Armageddon. Yes. Gotcha. That's why these are called the first and yeah. second uh, and third war for Armageddon. Armageddon gotcha. And I believe there is also a fourth. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> and probably a fifth. Just to lay it out, 
Yarick was not involved in the first war no. of Armageddon. This is the first time Yarick appears in lore, uh, and this is the 941st year of gotcha. the 41st. However, movie. the third war of Armageddon is only yeah, like not 40 very years long later. later. It's really However, not that long. One thing about Yarick, this may be his first time like appearing in the in the lore lore, but he's established. He by this point, he's had a model yeah, since like second but, edition. Um, like character development wise, yeah, he killed Gretchen at 10 years old. Oh what? Yeah, and he's like with his fucking so that's, hands, and he's like ridiculously strong. Isn't that's he? a. Th- I mean, he's just so bitter he won't we, die. <laughs> he's basically human Grimaldi. So he actually full of he's salt. No, he is. He shut up a space marine by staring at him. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> a space marine's like, I I don't need to listen to you, and he just stared at him until he shut up. <laughs> the lazy eye. He gave him the lazy eye. <laughs> So we actually talked about this this week in the community. Some some people were asking me to help with lore, and we kind of dove into it. It's interesting to me that we as adults conceive children as not being very capable. The thing that we got to remember is that from like puberty to the age of like 16, 17, kids are fucking mm-hmm. psychopaths. The average street soldier in a street gang is like 12 years old, and they're capable of fucking oh, yeah. murdering you. Like I could not stand up. To a street soldier in a street game. Because they're, they're just they would do terrible and, shit. And as much as I wanna be as much as I wanna be like, I'm a trained man and I'm strong and I no, a fucking twelve year old with no like mental of function of, things, uh, of burying uh, a hatchet into the back of my brain yeah, is no gonna morals, fucking kill me because it's gonna bury a hatchet in my brain when yeah, I'm not yeah. paying attention. <laughs> He go shoot but me yeah, from across Yark, the street, and I Yark's ain't gonna know he's there. Engulfed with orc bullshit. Oh, okay, okay. And uh, he yeah. was literally surviving on the streets, like hiding as a kid. As a kid, against orcs. Against orcs. Oh yeah, and, that, oh. and it and breeds, he, and it breeds. And that's savage why fighters. he's just like so jaded bitter against and orcs. bitter, and just fucking hates everything about life. Because uh, it's like, and, and specifically orcs, because like. They, they're the ones that ruined essentially ruined. his life. Yeah. I mean, Fuck his him. life had Fuck already kind of taken a turn for the worse right before the orcs showed up. Yeah. But then the orcs showed up and he's like, okay, now I can focus this hatred on some shit. Uh, it reminds me of like Mole from the South Park movie. And he's like, God, did God, get, did God care when he stabbed me in the womb? <laughs> he's like, Jesus, dude. <laughs> <laughs> did God care when I was stabbed well, in the womb with a coat hanger? Mm. <laughs> it's like this like six-year-old <laughs> so in 976.m41 is the risa escalation war boss grax leads a second and even larger orc wah against the forge world of risa but is held off by the staunch efforts by an imperial guard force formed from more than 20 worlds 992.m41 is creed's triumph Creed. No, no. Thank you. I'm just waiting. Just waiting for her. Oh, God. It's really bad on the headset. It's I'm really sure. bad on the headset. I'm sure everybody appreciates it. That just started hurting. Wow. <laughs> so, uh, Eldari forces attack the Cadian holding of Aurent. I can never do his Let's fucking see. name. Ursarker E Creed. Uh, hold on, I have to like be like. It's Isn't it like Ursakar? Ursakar. Ursakar. Ursakar E Creed. Ursakar E Creed. Tactic. 
Yeah. <laughs> Ursacar Creed. <laughs> Ursacar E. Creed's tactical genius, including the use of time-delayed orders, orders triggered by battlefield contingencies, and the use of Primaris psychers that are used to provide a psychic smoke screen to the Canadian defenses. To the Canadian. Canadian defenses. This uh, These tactics that he employs allows the Cadian shock troops to be triumphant over the Eldari at the gates of Arendt's Hive yeah. Primus. There's probably more to this that we can talk about in the future. This would be one that I'd like to, to deep dig yeah, into. I mean, we could always into. throw up something like uh, Patreon uh, voting and like on, uh, let on, the Patreons decide which yeah, hero like, we deep dive on next. Nah, they are, they already decided we're doing. Yeah, they are they already decided we're doing Gene Stealer. Well, well no, I'm no, 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 like deep like, deep dives on wars and whatnot. Either like specific battles yeah, voted yeah, on by definitely. the Patreons, or go into like specific heroes. Right, right. Or those of you who are listening to yeah. the podcast, just fucking hit us up and let yeah, us send know it sounds interesting. Just send we'll, us. We'll a put it on the list. Email we'll put it on says, the list. Like fucking, I don't know, tyrannic or not tyrannic war. Yeah. Hey dicks. Yeah. Hey. Hey, Dix, I really want to know about the Riza escalation. What the fuck your, was that your one Russian, line? Your oh, Russian mail-order bride. That's all I could find. <laughs> that's all I could find in lore. I'll, I'll, I'll buy more books. I'll buy the Black Library book on that specifically to read. No, I'm kidding. We'll find more information yeah. on a lot of this stuff. So in 997.m41, the Devourer Rises. Twin tendrils? Twin tendrils of high fleet Leviathan strike the Imperium from below the galactic elliptical. Billions of Imperial Guard are conscripted and deployed, but the Departmentum Materium Departmento Munitorum Munitorium Tithe Takers report worryingly high numbers of worlds unable to fulfill their demands for manpower. This leads to several dozen executions of planetary governors. That's it. That's all we get. That's all we get from the guard in this Damn. entire conflict. Your numbers are lower. You're dude. You're dead well, yeah. to me, if, if you won't get me the numbers I desire, I'll replace you with somebody who will. <laughs> uh, right. But the thing that I find interesting specifically about this time period, and, and we'll definitely dive into it deeper when we get into the Tyranids, and we can definitely dive deeper into it if you guys want to hear about some of this stuff, is one of the reasons the Imperial Guard is unable, or the planets are unable to make these tithing numbers is because the planetary defense force is getting fucking murdered by yeah. Tyranids. Oh, by like the splinter fleets and whatnot. It's like the Tyranids were already there. I'm sorry, sir. We lost 18 billion yesterday. Yeah. They're like, we don't, yeah. we don't have any more. They're all dead. <laughs> Dude, can you imagine that? Like you're on the front lines defending your planet. You got a family like, and they're like, and then they're hey, like, hey, you're going to get redeployed. Bravo company. Yeah. You're getting redeployed. Pull back and you're going out right. into space. And you're like, but I live here. And that's they're like, yeah, right but there, we don't care about this planet. Right, so man. you're going somewhere important. That That's <laughs> lore. That's lore I want to Yeah, they're all too bad. Right you chose poorly. <laughs> Shouldn't have been born here. Yeah, sucks <laughs> to be born here. Yeah. Why, why didn't you re-roll your character right, at first? Jeez. You rolled a one. The the other interesting thing <laughs> specifically with this war, even he rolled, a, rolled like five of being a, a human <laughs> on a planet, even being though, attacked uh, by Tyranids. Even though this is, like you said, it's very short for the Imperial Guard. They just didn't have enough men because they're mostly all getting killed. This is a super interesting tidbit, state of the galaxy-wise. This Hive Fleet came from, as it says, below. Oh, backdoor booty action, yeah. Below, yeah. Whereas, yeah. so we, we all think, oh, yeah, space is a three-dimensional thing. Yes, it is. But the galaxies are kind of two-dimensional. Because it's the galaxies spin around a huge which center puts mass. them on so an axis. basically, mm -hmm. yeah. So you have above and Negative below Z the axis, essentially. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, 
And basic and the Tyranids are coming from above and below. Which, which is not I think it was all the hive fleets all. except this one are coming from above. And this one came from below, right? Which and is like, oh shit! And that's why yeah. the whole uh, putting my tinfoil hat on. I want to have an episode on it, by the way, of like tinfoil hat shit. Yeah, um, conspiracy theories. Yeah, where exactly? Yeah, where theories. the human or where humans are essentially like, or the Imperium is essentially like, oh shit! They're coming from a different point, like into our galaxy. Like, are we surrounded? Are all other galaxies being that's, eaten? And that's devoured? the like. That's the thing about the Tyranids that provides that existential so, horror yeah. is like, not only do we not know how many, we now know they're coming from every direction. Exactly. <laughs> and we also don't know, but we are pretty from something sure they're else. running from something. Right. I've also heard that. There's that theory. There's also so, the theory so that it was my like favorite. A, a sort of Damocles triggered by the old ones that after their death, eventually the Tyranids would just come eat everything as like a spiteful come, and there thing. There was also the whole thing up. about uh, the Emperor and his light and... The Tyranids being attracted being to, attracted like a moth to, to the, the flame. Yeah, there's so many conspiracy theories. Yeah, Tyranids are moth. Emperor is That's, flame. Yeah. <laughs> and what's funny is all of those could work. Right? <laughs> my suck. favorite with all of this is uh, is the um, the Astronomicon or not the Astronomicon? What's the what's the choir called? Astropathic choir. The Astropathic. Thank you. I'm the Astronomicon. So so the Astropathic choir has been sent. Off the eastern fringe, and they've said that all they can hear is the silence of the warp, basically say, the noise. It, the like it, in make. the first Jumanji and movie, then, it's like when Carl was like, hey, hey, like, hey, uh, what the fuck is it? Loretta. Yeah, Loretta, the, the the girl at the desk. Hey, Loretta, like, we got, you know, I have like a fucking Ted 20, 22, my last, blah, blah, blah. And all you hear on the radio is like, <laughs> 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 it's the fucking monkeys. Oh, yeah. <laughs> 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 and he's just like what the fuck <laughs> and then astropathic choirs on the western fringe say that all they can hear is Wah. so it Wah. sets up this whole idea that one it's half of the galaxy orcs. is just there's just orcs on one side and the other half can you just imagine just a full galaxy just what going? is it it's the <laughs> the northern side has chaos top and bottom has yeah, they're tyranids oh jesus the western side the pacific segmentum yeah. after like the short section that is the pacific segmentum it's nothing right, right. it's it's yeah. unexplored yeah, and everything it's, it's, that goes out outside there doesn't, doesn't come, come back, back. Yeah. except doesn't come back the carchdons oh that's where they hang out carcharodons carcharodons the carcharodons also prefer to live above to prefer to exist oh they hang the out there too plane. so the carcharodons go over. up and they basically watch the imperium from the top that's why the carcharodons just show up in random ass places because they're just that's like, oh, if i was ever going to be any type of space frame that's who i'd be but yeah they they also hang out in what's known as the void which is that section yeah. past because if you look at the map terra is slightly offset fringe. to mm -hmm. the to the right right but what's the left side of the map is half of it's blank Right, and the Pacificus segmentum is like a sliver that goes oh, down okay. there. It's super it's tiny, small. and they just don't go. They don't go out there because mm. yeah. even there's creepy shit, even for Warhammer, right, that right. they found out there, and they're not it's like cool Bermuda Triangle type shit. Like, yeah, you just don't go there. Well, good, good old, good old Warlord or uh, Warmaster Rusus was like, "Hey, I got this big ass fleet," and the Highlights were like, "Great, go west, my son." And, and then he never went came west. back. And then, like after. <laughs> After 20 years, he stopped sending reports, and they're like, "Yeah, we're not going to figure out what happened to him." Fuck that guy. Fuck that guy. <laughs> he's just like, he's just so like, "Fuck him." 
Hail. That guy sailed into a whole bunch of fuck that. (laughs) A bunch of nope. Yeah. So we've only got a couple more uh, little tidbits here to cover for the for today, and then we'll go ahead and wrap up. So nine nine eight dot m four one is the third war of Armageddon. This is the one you were thinking about. On on the day of the feasts of the emperor's ascension, fifty seven standard years to the day after the last time he invaded, Gazgul returns. He opens the war by completely obliterating Hades' hive from orbit, a clear challenge to Commissar Yorick. The old man returns to oppose the orc warlord, this time taking command of the entire this world. This is where Yorick shuts up a space marine. Uh, so, The Baneblade super heavy tank Fortress of Arrogance is salvo- salvaged from the ruined world of Morgotha. Fortress and with it, That's so so awesome. rewinding a little bit here yep. to fill in some it's of this stuff. A, it's a church so, on top. So of the yeah, this blade. is the this is the big war for Armageddon. This okay. is the important one. This is the Hell's Reach war. Oh, okay. This is this is the most recent right. war of Armageddon. Arguably the most important war of mm-hmm. Armageddon. All said and done, was, when yeah. it was called um, So <laughs> what ended up happening? This is the one Yarik. Right as all the orcs are coming in, as we've seen in Hell's Reach, mm-hmm. all the commanders meet. And if you've seen the movie on on, on the YouTube, you hear that part where he just says, Hades will burn. Right. In the book, that's a huge like section. Well, not mm-hmm. huge section, but like a, a good section. And in that one, they're going over like how to plan their defenses. And there's space marine captains, multiple space marine captains here. Mm-hmm. And they're all in the room. And then Yark. Just he's just a commissar, which is funny. Like he doesn't have a rank other than commissar. Right, right. Gaunt like has colonel commissar. Right, but that was him that was most, most commissar is their rank, right. and we talked commissar. about that. That was bestowed upon him from a planetary governor, I think. No, yeah. from a war master. A war, war master. master. War yeah, master. from That's a war right. master. But in this case, he's just a commissar. But because he saved, you know, the, the planet essentially by time, yeah. by linchpinning all his defenses, like Hades, commissar general. Yeah, he basically is honorary. They just never officially gave uh, him that title. And then, so when he he's there and they're going over all these numbers, the actual line from the book is something like Hades will fall within the week. And these space Marines are like, no, it won't. And he just stares at them. (laughs) And then Grimaldus looks at them and goes, Hades will fall in a week. And then, and then the guy looks back to, to Yarek and Yarek's still staring at him. And then space Marine mumbles, I will not be silenced by mortals. And Yarek still just stares at him and then goes, Hades will burn within the week and continues talking. And so there's there's a reason that Yarick isn't super happy with Space Marines 2, and we didn't really talk about it, but in the second War of Armageddon, I mentioned that the Blood Angels led three chapters oh, to right, help yeah. liberate the planet. The Blood Angels decided to fucking drop ship onto the That's hive right. in order to directly right. attack the orcs, killing, up a bunch, yeah. massively slaughtering millions of like citizens. Like just civilians. Right, right. Just civilians, because a drop pack crashes through 16 floors right, yeah. of the hive, and then space marines pour out into the orcs. And they're like, great, you're attacking the orcs, but you're, you're also not really helping everything right. in your path. The whole idea behind, like, kind of the and, hatred. And Yarik is very, yeah, Yarik is very human-centric. If you, He's if you pro-human want to split and trans against humans everything of space else. marines. Like, yeah. he tolerates space marines and space marines, because they're a benefit. They're transhuman. Yeah. Yeah, they're transhuman, so he doesn't yeah. really like them. So yeah, so he he resurrects this super this Baneblade super heavy tank. It turn he turns it into the Fortress of Arrogance, well, it, and this is what it he actually needs to was fight already the Fortress the of Arrogance. He lost it in another battle, 
the orcs overwhelmed it and he had mm-hmm. to abandon it. And then he go, that's he went back for back. it. He's like, oh, no, I'm okay. getting my bane blade. Okay, yeah, I think I remember that in the in the movie. Yeah, yeah. no, that was that's not even in that. It's a completely separate planet. Oh, okay. it's like on another planet or a province. We've talked about Yarek being crazy enough. To he like get his he like runs blade. in. Like, he's like jumping over orcs. He jumps it in. It's all trying to catch me riding dirty. So when we cover Armageddon as a planet and when we cover, we'll, we'll definitely touch on Commissar Yarek a little bit more in detail. And and we'll probably cover y- Commissar Yarek a little bit more in detail when we talk Commissary, about Commissar. Yeah, that'll, that'll get a hold. Commissar. <laughs> so Yarek stops Gazgul's hordes from overwhelming Armageddon's major hive cities and the conflict degenerates into a grueling war of That's- attrition. Gazgul himself is repulsed from the world, and Yarik pursues his nemesis alongside the Astartes of the Black Templars, determined to make the warlord pay for the death and destruction visited twice upon the world of Armageddon. And this, but before that, that's when he kills the other war boss, right? And takes the arm. Takes the and, arm. Yeah, we'll, we'll we'll get into it on actually. Uh, I think maybe that a, was the second war. Yeah, that, that's how they the ended second the war. second we'll, war. Is is Gazgul left? Mm. He was like, I'm going to go wog in another place. You got this? And that war boss was like, wog. And then Yarg was <laughs> like, wog. He's like, wah, ah, ah. So Yarik, during the second war of Armageddon, if I recall correctly, Yarik leaves Armageddon because Armageddon is is kind of okay. Like the war is dragging on. Yarik goes to do something else. And Gazgul is like, no, you're the best fight I've ever had. So so Gazgul chases Yarik to bring Yarik back to Armageddon to finish the second war of Armageddon. That may Yarik gets be, captured yeah. at one point so, also. And then Gazgul lets him go with the actual line of, Good enemies is hard. I gotta stop. I gotta stop you, dude. I gotta stop you, dude. <laughs> or we're gonna. This is gonna right? be the Yarik episode. <laughs> so there's two things that we're definitely planning on doing. We're planning on covering planets specifically, and we're planning on covering named characters okay. specifically. So yeah, we will definitely dip into Yarik maybe season two. We're we're kind of playing with format and everything, but yeah, I, I Yarik. I I'm I'm with Kevin. Gaunt needs his own episode. Yarrick needs his own episode. Sly and Draken, all the Katachan heroes could probably get together because they don't have any like. Yeah, yeah, that's what I meant by like we have a characters episode, not like a full episode dedicated to Sly. It would be more right, right. Like Yarrick will get his own episode because he's massive. Gaunt has like eight books. Um, Strachan, Marbo, and is like uh, like uh, what do you call it? Footnote lore kind of thing. Yeah. Calgar, yeah, Calgar, Calgar will get his own. Um, yeah. Uh, Blood Angels, man. Dante. Dante, yeah. Dante Dante's will probably get a whole fucking episode. Yeah. Him, he, Dante and Yarrick probably have very similar personality. <laughs> right. He's just the man who's just so over it. He just wants to fight and die, but it never happens. <laughs> Mephiston, he's probably a, yeah. he's probably a good, like, uh, by, mm-hmm. by, by episode, Dante, Mephiston. Yeah. Well, we'll definitely have a bunch, and we'll definitely cover heroes from other. Oh, factions absolutely. Too. There's, there's a Shadow Sun. We'll probably get his her, own her set own. of episodes. I would imagine because we'll probably do depending. No, you could do you could do Far Side and Shadow Sun in one episode. Yeah, we'll probably do a Tau Empire series, who's, and we'll probably do an Enclave like mini series. That got uh, capped. Oh, Unva. Yeah, he was the. Uh, so that was a big. He was the. Nine, he was the Big right? Mac Supreme. He was yeah, yeah, uh, the yeah. Ethereal Supreme. Uh, big Mac Supreme. That's what he had. The La Royale. Clapped his cheeks. Was he clapped by another tower? Or clapped? Was an assassin. 
Imperial? Yeah. 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 Uh, I think it was basically, a- basically, Imperium sent a bunch of assassins, and like Farsight was like, fuck you, melted him. Um, Shadow Sun was like, fuck you, melted him. Unva was like, no, please. And then died. <laughs> <laughs> Extra crispy. To wrap us into the last couple of events before the 13th Black Crusade kicks off in earnest, 452.999.m41. So this is the 452nd day of the 990th year of the 41st millennium. The Felgard Incident. The fortress world of Kelthorn turns to chaos and dozens of Imperial Guard regiments are sent to quell the insurrection. The Cadian 39th Regiment assaults the planet's capital city of Felgard, but are report repulsed when demons rise from the bloody mire of slaughtered guardsmen and chaos cultists alike. Only when the great unclean one at their head is slain by Castellan Balvox heroism does the demonic tide recede. So in the 757th day of the 999th year of the 41st millennium, titled Warzone Damocles, though the Imperium recovers numerous Tau-held worlds during the Zeist campaign, these victories prove to be a distraction, allowing the Tau forces to overrun the defenders of the hive world Agarlon. Unable to contend with the previously unseen Tau battle suits of huge size and power, Argalon's defense forces are driven from their world in short order. The planet's location is a gateway world to a lot of neighboring star systems, and this is a pretty big loss strategically. Segmentum Command escalates operations in the war zone Damocles, centered around itself. Waves of reinforcements begin a desperate rearguard action to slow the Tau advance. Meanwhile, a mighty armada of Imperial warships departs from Agarland, bearing over 1,000 regiments of Cadian, Catachan, and Elysians. Now, is just overlapping with, from like a sphere of expansion? Is that- yep. Okay. Yep. With Toleron and the Kalfolian Guardsmen and several full battle companies of Dark Hunters and Exinguator Space Marines, as well as Titan Legions. The Hammer of the Imperium's Retribution bears inexorably down upon the attacking Tau. Its wielders determined to crush the upstart Xenos once and for all. And I think I'm pronouncing Agrelon wrong. It's A-G-R-E-L-L-A-N. It's the Agrelon sector. I'm pretty sure. I've I, so Agrelian. I have been saying Agrelon, yeah. right? Agrelian. Agrelian. Oh, Agrelian. 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 No, no, no. It's A-G-R-E. Oh, no. L-L-A-N. Agrelin. Agrelin. Agrelian. Agrelian. Okay. It's not I like Agrel. Yeah. So if I if I pronounced it wrong in that stuff, guys, uh, listeners, Fuck it. sorry. That's part of the fun. In the 992nd day of the 900th and 99th year of the 41st millennium is the night of a thousand rebellions. Rome. Countless rebellions erupt simultaneously across the breadth of the Segmentum Pacificus. Despite the brave efforts of the Imperial Guard garrisons, even the supposedly secured strongholds of Enclades, Darkhold, and Ministoria are overrun. Panic spreads as the Imperial contact is lost with large swaths of the Segmentum. So this is when a lot of, this is the second time that like a lot of astropathic links and stuff go down. A lot of people can't get communication anymore. All of this stuff is like, kicking that can closer and closer and closer to the cicatrix maledictum. Now, during a lot of the stuff that we just covered that happened in the 999th year of M41, the Black Crusade is happening. The Black Crusade has a lot of very, very specific information in it, which leads to how the Guard are currently 
in the 42nd millennium. And the Black Crusade is probably going to get a chunk of next episode at the beginning. It'll probably be like a quarter of the beginning. And then we'll talk a little bit about the era and Dominus, and then we'll bust into regiments. And uh, yeah, we'll, we'll just kind of see how it goes. There's a good chance, guys, that this is going to be our first five-parter, which, uh, which is cool. There's just a lot of stuff to cover because the Imperial Guard is very important to the Imperium. And I mean, it's we'll also like out. one of the huge pillars. The of, Imperial yeah. history is the Imperial Guard history. It's been around right. since day one. Right. Like it's not. Yeah. And there's a reason that Tom listed these three as the most important three. The orcs, the Eldar, and the Imperial Guard are so core to the way that this entire game works. Mm-hmm. I said that. He said that. Yeah, he did. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Well, that that brings us to a close for episode three on the Astra Militarum. Again, we're kind of pointing out all this lore and we're kind of having all these little talking points because we're trying to illustrate kind of good places to jump into developing your own stuff from a perspective of the Imperial Guard, as well as um, we had talked about this in our creative writing episode, as well as here are some kernels to borrow from when you're starting yours. You know, borrow what exists. Grab one of these little events that is only a couple of lines here and there. Right. Copy they can just it be... and just tweak it to what you want it. Yeah, they can just be little kernels. Little kernels for, you know, yeah, something that can grow into something bigger. That little kernel in that and we Exactly. We do have another creative writing-focused episode coming up, um, probably before we hit Gene Steeler Cults. So as we move in, as we move out of one series of our, our roundtable episodes where we debate some stuff, our conspiracy theory episodes where we Yeah, we're also going to need to do a, I guess it could be a creative writing episode on Kevin's Guard. And his yes. personal lore. We'll, we'll have yeah. Kevin's personal lore and an upcoming lore stories specifically talk about how to write for the guard. That could be pretty cool too. Yeah. Cool. All right, guys. I hope you really enjoyed this episode. Uh, we spent a lot of time kind of compiling all this stuff together and we want to hear from you guys. Extra questions you have, lore you have, ideas you have, anything. There are two really easy ways to communicate with us that way. The first is by email. You can use either under the hive of madness at gmail.com or jimdarkgaming at gmail.com. Arguably, probably the other biggest way, and I had mentioned there were two, is Discord. We're very accessible to our Discord community. I had a couple of conversations this week specifically about Space Marine lore, and then Minion Coffin, one of our the members of our community, and myself actually wrote an entire Space Marine chapter this year, uh, this year, this week, which was pretty cool. Yeah, it's pretty much. I think Kevin and I are usually on there gaming too, so it's one of the few discords yeah. where it's actually like fully interactive. Like we try to talk to everybody and and be open and you know just take part in everything. Yeah, it's a it's a we like it. And that that's a huge focus. Our, our first main focus when we started everything is we wanted to talk about lore and we wanted to talk about co-op, cooperative storytelling and lore building. We need a community to do that. And it's been so fucking enriching and cool to see the community build. And I think at this point, our second goal really is build our community even more. So we definitely love it. All of you guys come into it. And if you enjoy the show, please share and bring more awesome people to our amazing community. Another way that you can help us a little bit more directly as we try to grow and either get new equipment or just sort of meet some of the milestones that we have and some other things is to donate some money to us, uh, help us out through Patreon. That's patreon.com slash under the hive of madness. All of that stuff, all the funds that we generate through that immediately go back into supporting the podcast and making sure that we are able to continue doing the show. It really, really does help. You guys are freaking awesome over there. 
we've started to do some extra things as we grow a little bit. We're, um, we're going to try to do some giveaways a couple times a year. We're going to try to send out some swag and some merch ideas that we have a couple of times a year if we can afford it. And we're also trying to reward you guys with access to things like our painting contest and some art assets that you guys can use through companies like 3d6 wargaming to get some objective modifiers and some other stuff done the other thing that we do through patreon is we have a video podcast so as we are recording the podcast there's a video element to it you guys can see our lovely faces you can hear all of our blunders all of our bloopers and all of our mistakes i do not do a heavy amount of editing to the video podcast you also get a little bit extra tidbits as we talk Um, we kind of roll from our production meeting right into the beginning of the episode with just some stuff that we communicate directly to Patreon. I, I think I think it's a pretty cool little perk. We're, we're working on whether or not we can generate some extra content now, and we will mm-hmm. keep you guys appraised of that as stuff goes on. The last important thing to kind of mention is that if you are looking for us other places on the internet, in the interim where we're working on our website, we do have a link tree set up. As normal, I put all of the links in the show notes to everything we've talked about. And when we do have some extra things like Imperial Maps or anything like that that we've mentioned in the, the episode that we're going to have available as a link, we throw it down there too. Yep. And be sure to follow us on that link tree with all of our social medias. We're on Facebook. Ryan's constantly posting, you know, miniature Mondays, work in progress Wednesdays, throwback Thursdays. Uh, if you want any of your minis featured, we're also on Instagram uh, as well as Facebook with Ryan. And uh, Twitter as well. So we're, we're all over the place. Feel free to check us out. Give us a follow if you're listening to the pod. And yeah. Discord's not your thing. Maybe uh, maybe Facebook's your thing. Maybe Insta's your thing. Maybe, uh, you know, <laughs> eventually Ryan will start dancing and singing again on, tics, uh, on the TikTok. TikToks. Yeah. yeah, I have, yeah. I have, I've got some TikTok. I'm trying to do um, minute battle, not minute, 30 second battle reports. It's, it's a Which work is dope. Progress. Yeah, yeah. The extra thing we are throwing into the show notes this week, just for you guys, are the rules to Battlefleet Gothic are actually free. They're just a little hard to find. So I will include a link down there if you're interested in downloading the rules from Games Workshop themselves on a game that they used to produce. You can do that. And then you can either try to find some of those old, pretty fucking epic miniature, pewter miniatures, or you can, there's a lot of people who have ways to make your own Battlefleet Gothic forces. It's, it's pretty neat. To, to play around with it was a i hope maybe we'll get support for it again but in the meantime there is there is a resource to get those rules that would be a cool one to you. see make a comeback definitely be fucking awesome man but in the meantime i'm pretty sure you could print some uh battle flotilla notre dame <laughs> yeah that's right battle flotilla notre dame <laughs> Uh, oh, yeah. The the other thing, please, 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 you Apple podcast listeners, rate us and give us a review. We want to know how we're doing. We want to know how you guys think we can make our content better. Those of you who are on Spotify, please give us a star review. Those of you who are on Stitcher, those of you who are on Google Podcasts, reach out to us. Give us those likes. Give us those follows. Give us those ratings on all the different uh, platforms. We are on 10 platforms. We are going wide. We are we are going to continue to go wide um, as we as we expand. And, uh, yeah, there, there you go. Yeah, help us out. Yeah. Well, gentlemen, I feel like the archivist's breath is just steaming down my neck in a very unpleasant way, and I've had a couple of run-ins with her in the past. Good run-ins. You know, run-ins over coffee and biscuits. Nah, Tom just took a fat shit. That's all it was. 
Yeah, You're well, down, you know. downwind. I'm downwind of beasts. Okay. Well, <laughs> we definitely have the book we weren't supposed to steal from the archivist in our uh, collection, I believe. Kevin, you told us when we open it, we're supposed to say Cotta Venicta. Yeah, that sounded about right. That's the last word? Is yeah, you, yeah. you got it. Okay. Okay. Yeah, try it one more time. Clata Verictu. That's, that's Man, the last word. You got right? some bad allergies, but I'm pretty sure that'll do. All right, I mean, Clit- clitoris. This book's face is literally a face. I don't know if we want to open it and read from it. I warned you, that's what happens. I Put mean, your this, dick in it. Do you, do you trust this dude, Ash, that hired us to find this book? I mean, I, he had one hand that's a chainsaw. That's pretty standard for Imperials, so, you know, yeah, it seems true. like he's on our yeah, team. Yeah, I trust Yark, so I trust this guy. Yeah. Hey, it's just some evil dead shit, though. You never know what's going to happen. Yeah, you never know. Remember, when you're on your data slate cafetorium drinking your recaf, always keep one of your eyes on your game and one of your eyes out in the crowd. You never know when those four-armed emperors are going to come up and... Try to reset your score in Candy Crush. It's bad. I heard it's an epidemic. Forearmed emperors and Candy Crush are, it's just bad. I think they're physically crushing people it's playing sump, it. Sump crush. It's yeah. some crush. I think they're sump physically crush. playing, sump crushing crush. you. <laughs> sump crush. I like that. <laughs> Various like radiation things fall down and you have to match them together. Sounds like a, it sounds like a really fucked up sex move. Like, <laughs> like, sump crush. <laughs> Gamer, the sump. This is where this is where I end it by saying, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs>